So on today's podcast, I'm hanging out with a, a super cool guy, Brad Martin from Leading Edge Electrical. Uh, Brad is a long-time client. Uh, we're going to interview him today, get into the uh, nitty-gritty detail of everything that he's done to take him from uh, just himself and an apprentice to a team of 20-plus now. Uh, he's absolutely smashed his business, has a great lifestyle, and uh, a lot of valuable lessons, so stay tuned. Welcome to the Profitable Tradie Podcast, where we talk about hands-on strategies that you can use in your plumbing, electrical, or similar service business to make more money, get some time back, and make your business less reliant on you. Hope you enjoy, and don't forget to follow. Brad, welcome, mate. Awesome to have you here. It's a privilege to be here. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Mm. So I guess the first thing is maybe just introduce yourself. So tell us about your business, you know, what what trade you're in, what your team is, all that sort of good stuff. Yep. So I'm... um, Brad from Leading Edge Electrical, based here in Hamilton, in the Waikato, New Zealand. Been operating for all oh, 13 and a half years, we 14 years in October. So um, you've been doing it for a while now. Been a sparky for maybe, how old am I? 40, oh yeah, I won't tell you how old I am, but about 20, 25 years or 24 years been a sparky. So it's been a few years now. Yeah, so we mostly mostly in the new house build sort of um, areas and a lot of renovation work, heat pumps, smart vents, and do a bit of bit of domestic maintenance and small jobs as well. We have been touching on a bit more commercial work lately as well. Got um, 20 staff, got our 21st staff member starting next month. That's made up of, um, got an office manager, operations manager, estimator, got a new office assistant starting next month, um, got a marketing coordinator, I suppose, who role is, and then um, rest is made up from tradesmen and apprentices. Um, I think we've got <clears throat> nine tradesmen at the moment, and I don't know how many prints we've got off the top of my head, <laughs> but it makes up 21 in total. Yeah, nice, nice job. <coughs> I hear you've built some really nice houses, helped with some nice houses, particularly in Tamahiri, some good ones there. Yeah, we did one in Tamahiri a couple of years ago, a bit of a, yeah. Yeah, tr- a tricky sort of climb, but we got there. Yeah, yeah, no fire risks or anything, <laughs> nothing to worry about. Uh, you could have upsold a bit harder though on that one, to be honest, because uh, we're a bit short of PowerPoints at the moment, short mate. PowerPoints, hey, we can put some more of those in for you now if you want. Yeah, yeah, pretty hard <laughs> with the concrete floor, but you know. Hey, with there's a will, there's a way. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, all right, so look, we've worked together for a while, obviously, which has been a lot of fun. I guess what I'd like to do is sort of recap, uh, sort of two parts to this. What was life like, you know, before we started working together? And obviously made some changes. And then probably some of the stuff that's happened more recently where you've gone from sort of an established business to really cracking on. Yep. So maybe we just kick off. What was life like before you actually joined the Million Dollar Trading? So, yeah, so I sort of started out, I was obviously an electrician and then sort of decided I was at the right time in life and I thought I could do it better than my employee, my boss, so I, so I broke away and bought a van and started up on my own and um, raced around and did electrical jobs here and there and bits and pieces. A little bit of a global financial crisis came along a few months after I started, so that didn't didn't help too much. But um, cracked along there for a while and um, didn't really know what I was doing. Wasn't really making any money. Um, yeah, had, had no idea really what I was doing on the financial side. It was good sparky and really enjoyed the being on the tools side of it. Enjoyed being my own boss and planning my days. But sort of struggling, struggling to make any money out of it. Um, I got quite busy, so I, I bought an apprentice on. So I had myself and one apprentice, Jesse, and um, yeah, been racing around doing that for quite a while. Sort of, um, you'd spend a lot of time on the weekends looking at jobs, invoicing, quoting, you're doing everything really, and sort of running around trying to fill gaps here and there and put fires out. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty tricky there, Tony. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Mm. What was it that made you actually decide to to make a change? I suppose it's that saying, if you keep doing the same thing, you keep getting the same result. And so I sort of did that for a, a few years and um, wasn't really getting the rewards I thought I should be getting from being a business owner and having the risk of being a business owner. I sort of felt like it was easier to be on wages the way it was going. I you know, could do my you know, 7 30 or 5 and go home at the end of the day and not work weekends and that. So I sort of thought, well, you know, I was early 30s at the time, so I thought it was 
time to have a crack and sort of put all my, my all into it and see what I can make out of this thing. And I, I, I obviously realised the limitations of my skill set of what I could do and what I couldn't do and realised I need to reach out from, for some help. Yeah, so that's probably the, the catalyst really was to change things for the better and get what I sh- think I should get out of the business. We've sort of touched on it before, but let's talk about what business looks like now. Yeah, so now now my business has got a lot more structure, obviously, with that team of 20-odd staff. I have people there that are sort of doing some of the main main roles in the business. I'm no, I'm no longer doing the, the estimating operations, which are a couple of main roles which I've passed on to other people. So a lot of things happen now that I don't even know happens. Quotes will get accepted. I've turned off like my notifications quotes, so I don't even see when a quote gets accepted. Every now and then I have a look at it. It's quite exciting. We start jobs. I, I sort of spend my time now trying to um, feed new clients and new customers into our system trying to build relationships with builders and developers and whatnot, push them into into us and get the, our estimated more jobs to price. Then once the job's been accepted, he's pricing them up, he follows them up. Once they've been accepted, it sort of yeah, flows down to the operations manager and he sort of runs all that. I don't know when people are off work really or what anything's happening or any changes. It all happens sort of, Rob, my operations manager sort of takes care of all that. So yeah, it's definitely a different thing what it was earlier on when it was just me and Jesse running around. So yeah, lots of things happen now that I don't know about and it's a, it's a different sort of beast now, yeah. What are the changes or the results you know, that you've had with your business growth, what has that actually meant for, for you and your family? Multiple things. I mean, one of the things probably is I, I have a lot more flexible with my time. I can come and do this sort of thing. Yep. I wouldn't be able to do this sort of thing before because I'd be too too busy at work on the, on the coal face. So I, I have more time for my family. I can go and um, you know, go, go to my kids swimming quite regularly now. Uh, me and my wife spend a lot more time during the week doing things together. So you definitely, definitely a bit more freedom. In the weekends, I don't get any phone calls in the weekends about work. Um, my office manager gets a few phone calls, quite a few phone calls on the weekend, but I personally don't. So I get a lot more shut off time from work, and with on the back of that, I'm able to spend more time with my family, more quality time with my family. So that's 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 a big. That's probably the most important thing. The other thing is we're financially in a better position than we were before. Got a good solid income that's growing. Um, we've been able to you know expand our property portfolio a bit and, and other investments. So we're sort of like yeah, sort of been good on that side of it as well, the financial side of it as well. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So you've 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 bought. A building, and then you've bought the building next door because you needed to be bigger, right? Correct. Yep. Correct, yep. So we bought bought it, our first workshop, I don't know, five or six years ago, and then we just bought the next door one last year to over double our size now because we, we, were, we were at capacity. So how does your, your feeling about the business, how is that different now in terms of um, your feeling of control or, or, I don't know, peacefulness maybe is a word? Yep. When I first started the business, one of the things I wanted to do was I didn't want to be a at retirement age, still be on the tools. I wanted to get off the tools at some stage and um, and become a business owner who sort of pulls the strings from from the top. So that's what's really changed. Really, is a really turn into a business owner as opposed to a tradesman. Really, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about key milestones along the way. So we've gone from uh, yourself and Jesse uh, to you know basically out out of the operations of the business and the and the pricing. Uh, so what are the key you know, milestones along the way. I think if I go back, yeah, let's say it was just me and Jesse from then on. Well, employing Jesse was a milestone originally, just getting an apprentice on board. And then um, and then we employed a tradesman, Rob, and that was a big milestone. I sort of employed Rob and another apprentice at the same time. And um, Rob, Rob I speak of as my operations manager now, so he's still around as well. And then we, um, I was operating out of our garage, so um, we sort of, it was a bit pandemonium there towards the end. Especially through winter, with a lot of you know, like gear couldn't fit in my office, and our workshop was in the garage, double garage. So we um, bought that Your workshop. Your office was in there as my well. My office was in there as Must well. Must have been bloody cold in the winter. It was bloody cold in the winter and hot in the summer. So um, it was a standalone garage. So it was pretty, pretty tough there. And um, you know, getting deliveries during the day when no one's there, and coming back and it's been raining, and all over deliveries. So it was a bit of a it wasn't the greatest setup. But hey, that's where you start out. Everyone starts out somewhere like that, and that, that was where we started out. And that's sort of 
when I first started, that's probably how I envisioned the business being until I started working with Profitable Trady. And then, um, yeah, so it was a big milestone to move out of the garage and, and buy a workshop. We did look around at leasing and there were some beautiful buildings to lease, but we decided to buy something that was probably in a less desirable area. And I'm glad we did now because it's really paid off owning that building. So that was a big milestone moving into that building. And that, that sort of coincided with us, with us um, employing our office manager because we needed somewhere. I couldn't have the office manager in the garage, office in the garage. So that sort of coincided with. Let's just pause on that. I, I'm sure we had like several discussions about hiring an <coughs> office person. And it was like, well, I can't because they're in the garage. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so it was definitely yeah. So yeah, we, we definitely did. And yeah, I actually I had I had I had someone doing some of my books then part time, but remotely. So yeah, no, definitely the the workshop was a big thing because that meant also we go from being a you know a garage business to a proper business, you know, and, and more space. And so, so we bought that building, put a nice built a nice brand new office inside there, and employed an office manager. That that was probably the biggest turning point. That just changed us. That sort of changed my whole mindset. Was then all of a sudden it was like oh we've got a a growing business now. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so that was that was awesome. And then um yeah, that Rob we, we moved Rob into operations manager. That was pretty pretty massive. That took me off um, getting all the guys' phone calls throughout the day and he sort of took over all that. My phone was ringing 40, 45 times a day. Now it rings about four or five times a day. So good. Rob's phone rings about fifty or sixty times a day. So um so I employed Rob and uh, he was real we had him our team for quite a while, known Rob for quite a while, and just employing someone with the right, really good mindset and temperament for that role. It's been really, really good having him doing that role. He, he came from another business where he was in that sort of role, but they just burnt him, didn't they? they? burnt him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's doing lots of weekend work and just going too hard. So at, at the time, Rob came and worked for me just to have 45 hours a week instead of 60 hours a week, and um, and he just liked the environment more. And I, and I knew Rob as well. I, I had worked at a company earlier on when he was an apprentice and I was a tradesman, so we had a bit of a relationship there already. He's a real important part of my business, has been for a long time now. I took that off me, and then um, it was probably about this time last year, I was sitting in here with Tony having a chat, and um, that's when Tony sort of opened my eyes up to the idea I needed an estimator which hadn't really, I was yeah struggling just to keep up with all my quoting and everything else I was doing, and I hadn't really seriously considered an estimator, well, I hadn't even thought about it, and then Tony pointed out to me, I think you need an estimator. Yeah, at the time, it was like a light bulb just went off in my head, I was like, oh, of course I do, that's what I need, I need an estimator. Yeah, that was the next big step, and that just changed, it's changed everything the estimator has. Yeah, yeah. so we should dig into that a, a, in a minute. Yep. Can you expand more on how purchasing your own building has paid off versus leasing? Oh, cap, capital gains, like the building's gone up, I think we bought it, five years ago and it's just it's, it's increased in value a lot over that time and, and, and the building we bought next door we just bought that on the back of the increase in capital gains on, on the building we already had so um, so that, the, our buildings owned me and Tori my wife we own those buildings and our, our business leased them off us at a, at a rate that's good for me and Tori yeah so that, that's really the thing is really paying off our own mortgage which long terms I think is the way to go yeah so yeah. you're actually you've got the business which is an asset leasing from yourself yep. uh, which is also another asset and uh Cap rates go down, the building value goes up. Yeah, 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 and that's that's the that's the way we've been able to buy the second building. It was just for yeah, piggybacking on the first one. So yeah, killer. Yeah, it's not not saying it's right for everyone. Like we we, we don't need road, good road frontage or anything like that. So other businesses do, but for our business, it was the right option. Definitely at the time, if we couldn't afford to buy, I still would have I still would have leased just to get it out of the garage. So. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Mm. Yeah, I think if you can't afford to buy and leasing is the option, you do it. I think so. Um, like we lease our premises. I'd love mm. to buy it, but it just what well, didn't work out with the time and stuff. But it, yeah, it's it's killer. Mm. So uh, Michelle's got a good question as well. Brad, can you tell us exactly which roles you have in the office? So we've got um we've got uh, got my estimator does all the estimating and whatnot. We've got um Kelly who does does marketing. She's just in for ten hours a week. She does the marketing side of it. So and and I do a lot of the sales. So I do a lot of the um. 
customer face-to-face sales. I enjoy doing sales and, um, and I'm good at it. So it's a bit of my, bit of my genius there, that, that sort of side of it, the, the relations with customers. So I do that and that's sort of our first lane, which is our sales and marketing. And then um, then Rob does all the operations. So um, looks after all the staff. He sorts out all their issues and whatnot. And then um, we've had Wendy, who's been office manager. We've got a new office person coming in next month. So that role is actually getting split into two because she was tapped out so we split her role into two now so we've got office administrator role and then we've got a um, receptionist slash office administrator slash PA role so you've got t- two different roles there yep I really respect the changes you've made uh, but I know from coaching you for a long time actually making the decision to invest the money and do that sort of stuff hasn't been easy at times has it in no. terms of, in terms of get, yeah so yep. what, what's the thinking because this is I think a challenge for all of us we kind of know we need to do something or or maybe invest some time and money in team or you know, buildings or equipment or whatever it is. But that's quite a hard process, right? Can you tell us a little bit how you've found that and how you've maybe dealt with it? Because I think you're obviously more comfortable doing it now. Any, any step you take sort of is a big step, like through different scales of business and whatnot, and it, it, it can be hard to get your head around the idea that you need to make those changes. Um, I suppose the more times you, you make those decisions – the easier it gets and so like I say back when I employed my first apprentice that was a massive decision you know and then you know to do that you're like that was a great decision that made it easier to employ a tradesman and so, so I suppose the more times you made those decisions and saw the see the positive results of those decisions makes it easier to do them and doing the, doing the background making sure that I, I'm comfortable with that decision before I make it and then not rushing into the decision and then yeah seeing the results yeah I would say and I, I mean this respectfully as a mm. as um, out of respect is you're not like a um, a massive risk taker you're actually a relatively cautious person. Yeah, I believe so. You know, I, I probably I probably wasn't when I was younger, but then when I have a business and I started it up, then I feel like I got something to lose. So I sort of have, have, have like changed over the years. I think and become yeah less of a risk taker than I was when I was yeah, younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for for everyone listening, for all of us in business, what would be your I guess your advice or or thinking process or discussion you'd have with someone who's like faced with the decision of hey, oh, I need to hire another tradesperson. I mean, obviously you've got to go and find them, and that's another whole thing which maybe we can jam on a little bit um, but yep. or I need to get an office person or an estimator or I need to invest in some new equipment what would you say to them when they're going through that those mental bloody high jumps that you go through that back and forth you know should I should I not what happens if I do what happens if I don't type thing I suppose just think about all the things you're you're doing that you don't want to be doing that someone else could be doing is a big thing and taking them off your plate and thinking about how much more you could push to that person if you had their time available I think like if I go back to when I employed the estimator Tony sort of said to me you may well be sabotaging your own sales at the moment because you're doing all the estimating yourself because I didn't have time to do it all. And I think he was probably right, you know. So once I started thinking about all the stuff I could throw out that estimator, it just made the decision a lot lot easier. And then I think there's always people out there can do the, some of the roles in my business better than I can. When I employ people like I was talking about Rob before, I think he's probably better as an operations manager than what I was. So um, when you see people doing it better than what you were, it gives you confidence to do it again and again. Yeah, so going back to the question, I suppose you've sort of got to, Got, got to trust trust that you need the help and that you can offload a lot to that new person. And I suppose look at other people in the profitable trading setup who have done it in the past. There's lots of success stories out there of businesses that have grown and you look at what they've done and that, that should give you com- people confidence as well to make those decisions. Yeah, actually, yeah. I think you've um, touched on something there that's huge. Often we ask the question, what's it going to cost me? What's the, what's the risk? But we never ask the question, what's it costing me not to? Which is actually the question. Mm, um, indeed. Because I think you often throttle, throttle your growth. And if you're looking at your long-term vision, which is like, hey, I want to be here, then you, you kind of have no choice but to actually action those things. Well, if you build that, you know, they put business plan in there and then yep. fill all the spots out and then 
you know you know where to go from there, I suppose. Hundred percent. Try get treat your, get your own name off a few of those slots. Yeah, yeah. How cool now? So you can go away, and sales are happening. Yeah. Yep. That's the definition of a business right there. Yep. So That's good. pretty cool. So mm. good. Okay, let's um let's carry on. Um, maybe I might just jump in here and talk about the builders. Okay. Is that all right? Sure. Yep. So you work predominantly with um with housing companies. Yeah, housing companies yep. and yeah builders. Yep. 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 Okay. So there's probably a couple of things. Number one is sort of broad brush. How do you go about getting them? Yeah, like we target them directly yep. with lumpy mail, um, phone calls, um, me dropping in off the cuff to see them. Yeah, that's how we target most of them, and then just have a have, have a good backup. So when, once we do get a, a little bit of in there, we've got all the all the goods to to make it happen. You know, I nutted down on my genius last year. One of my geniuses is is the going see potential customers. So I spend a lot of time dropping and see customers now. Eh? So direct, direct marketing is a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So the cool thing about B two B is you can you know who they are, so mm. we can target them directly, which I think is which is killer. So the next thing is, I reckon you're pretty good at sales. How do you get the builders over the line to actually start using you? Because I think you do some pretty cool stuff that you don't just go and like, hey, please sir, can I have a plan to price? It's a little bit smarter than that. So if I give an example of a, a customer, I won't name the customer, yeah. but a customer just sort of um, just sort of in the about to pick up now, is I um, they'd had some direct marketing sent to them a while ago, last year sometime. We didn't follow up for them. They're in our system getting um, newsletters and that, and um, I decided it was time to drop in and see them, so I just dropped in, had a chat to them, and then um, explained to them how we do a few things on site. We are a bit unique with how we do our sales on site and try and take the pressure off them with variations. I don't know if we've got time to go into that right now, Well, Tony. we can touch on it for a couple yeah. of minutes here. Yeah, so I, I sort of do most of the sales on site when we have walked through with the customers. I sort of um, have worked out with the client beforehand what their, what their price is going to be, and I do all the sales and then just tell the builder, how much to charge the customer from me doing the sales. It cuts them out of doing the sales totally, which makes their job a lot easier. So I sort of talk to them about that a bit and show them how I sort of do it. And most of them are sort of taken back by that straight away. That's a big, that, that's a hurt point for them is sorting out all those variations. So that sort of takes that away straight away. On the back of it, just try to get them to send some plans through. When they send plans through, Simon, my estimate, is onto it. When we get a new customer send plans through, his, it goes to the top of his list of priorities to get that plan drawn up and back to them as quick as he can. So he, he draws the plans up, back to them as quick as he can, without a quote, Just and then he calls them and see what they think about the plan, makes any changes, and then backs out with a quote, follows up again. While he's doing that, I'm chatting to, like we operate with a rewards program, so in the background, I'm chatting to the rewards program, giving them all their details. The guy there, Quinton, who runs the show there, he's ringing them up to say, hey, Leading Edge Electrical said they might be working with you. They've got a reward system going. We want to get you on our reward system so you can get rewards from, uh, from Leading Edge Electrical. They're getting hit with the good plans, prompt. Then they're getting hit with, like, you can get rewards points as well. You know, so we sort of just try to hit them on all the good stuff we've got at once, really, and just overwhelm them with goodness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Talking through the systems and stuff. and Yeah, talking through all the systems, talking through our checklist we do on site, um, talk through our staff, explaining them, you know, what, what, about our staff ratio and whatnot and talk to them about operations manager, estimate, all that sort of thing. So, yeah, a, a lot of it's direct marketing like that and then getting yep. in there and seeing them. Yep. Killer. Mm-hmm. Full court pressure. Love it. Full court pressure. So it's not just about doing a price and, and sending it off and hoping for the best. No, definitely not. No, no. Like, I, I, I sort of, once that plan gets sent through and quote goes through, Simon sort of follows up, those up because he's the one who's been doing the plans and the, and the pricing. And I'm sort of like, that, that customer, for example, I'm dropping there later on this week, I'm planning just dropping there randomly just to take a coffee in there and see how they're going, just to keep that, keep it sort of rolling while we're, while we're hot with them, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Killer. Good stuff. So, you've made some um, some pretty impressive gains in the last six to eight months as well. Mm. Um, so, probably you know, a little bit of a flat period of revenue for a while, mm. and it sort of jumped up again as well. So, can you talk about the results, sort of maybe where you've, where you've been, where you've gone to, 
And what do you think has allowed you to bust that open? Yeah, so like our results are going like we, we were constantly around that low hundreds a month. And, you know, uh, you know, sort of late last year we started hitting the 300 pluses. So it sort of and it has, has happened pretty quick. We, we have had a lot of growth with, with our numbers and a, and a big part of that's like, you know, estimated coming on board. That's definitely helped with that. Me, like now, I say before, it's like finding new leads for them and just shoving them to him to... To, to, to do the pricing, you know, whereas I'm not doing it myself, so it's um it's a lot easier. So so, so having him on board and, and and like I was saying before, he's better at that job than what I am. He's way more detailed. He loves computers, which is not my forte. So he's right into all that sort of stuff and techno stuff. So having him on board has really helped with that growth. And then having him with my operations manager, my estimators relationship is so good that they bounce each off each other and help each other out, and that's really helped as well. We've grown our team. It's pretty hard to get tradesmen. Well, supposedly hard to get tradesmen and apprentices at the moment. We, we sort of don't have too much of a problem. We don't have very um. We do have high staff retention. We haven't really had a. I think we've had one tradesman leave in ten and thirteen years, so we haven't had many staff leave. Um, we operate a four day week over summer, so that's our that's our big catch thing. Get tradesmen in as we have a four week four day week over summer, so um, that's helped with growth as well. Yeah, we got three we three tradesmen last year, and so three top quality tradesmen last year, and that four day week definitely helped getting some of them in. So you yeah, have had a lot of growth. Yeah, that's um. <coughs> so so from what I can see, it's the fact that you've opened up the capacity by having the estimator. So that Correct. then you could actually follow up the the marketing with some sales activity. Correct. So that's that's made a huge impact, and obviously growing the team as well because you've got to scale the team to do the work. Good stuff. To do so uh, you've mentioned the three day, four day work week. What else do you think you've done on the hiring side? Because that's a big that's a big frustration. For like, so what do you think? What are some points of distinction or little gold nuggets you think that you guys do well that's allowed you to actually you know, succeed there? Obviously, the four-day week helps. Um, on, on other things, is like it's impri- it's amazing how many potential tradesmen come and send their CVs through, and then we have a chat to them who don't use a job management program where they're currently working. It's amazing, and so um, once they see that, and then you start showing them our systems, we've got a good social club going on as well. That sort of the whole culture thing sort of ties in there, and, and then yeah, and they got the four-day work week as well, so they're thinking about how good that is as well. So you sort of tie them in on all fronts and, and, and pay good money but I mean it's not it's not all about the money yeah so th- those are real good things is getting them in there and showing them all the systems we've got and the procedures we've got and what we've got going on um, you know I'm sure they go on our Facebook page and check us out and see a pretty good Facebook Instagram pages going on yes yeah, so that, that all sort of helps the whole thing really tone the culture and just the make them think about how enjoyable it's going to work for, to work for us and how easy it's going to be for them with top what, quality what systems do you, what do you think you do well on the culture front I, I think a lot of that's driven by my operations manager now more so than me, but um, everyone sort of is comfortable to talk about things or um, they don't ever feel pressured or anything. So I think that's a, a big side of it. Um, the guys like socialising outside of work. A lot of them are really good mates and they, they socialise outside of work. They went to rugby in the weekend without me or the operations manager, so they all did their social club thing in the weekend. So I suppose that sort of drives the culture. And yeah, and, and just and just having regular meetings with Rob, they have all their, have their regular meetings and that, so that sort of helps them all to be understood and known. And we have... A barbecue every second Friday, that sort of helps as well. And it all sort of ties in there, I suppose. I don't think there's really ever one thing no, that really no, is your culture. It's just it's just a whole lot of little things that just add up to a to a lot of to a big thing. You I know? think that's massive. And culture eats strategy mm. for breakfast. Like mm. culture is is and we've talked about this a lot. Culture is everything when you're hiring. Because mm. that's like your unique hiring proposition, if you like, your unique yep. thing when hiring. And word does get around. Yeah. And they will check you out online. But you know, if they if they have people working Mates, maybe working there, or some contact, then that's huge as well because they'll actually it's like a it's like a reference. One thing I would like to ask you about with the team is I know you did a like a survey thing recently, so maybe just let's talk about that a bit because I think that that's maybe that's not designing the culture, but it shows you that it's really yep. important. 
Yep, so it was review time, March or late February, we started our reviews and um, staff reviews. So um, with the staff reviews beforehand, a week prior, we sent out, gave them all a questionnaire to um, answer a few questions there. Just to, we wanted to get a bit of a grasp on where they're all at and where we're at, what, what we're doing right and wrong and sort of see, see how that sort of comes back. So um, did a questionnaire and um, yeah, got some amazing information back from that. Um, those I employed those three tradesmen last year. I was chatting about four. Uh, two of the, one of the questions on there for all the staff was, um, what's your enjoyment levels out of out of ten? And two of those tradesmen from last year both put ten out of ten. So I was just like, yeah, it's so good. Um, <clears throat> we we had a couple that were a bit low as well. That other members. So we the good thing about having the questionnaire is we could address that. And um, on the back of that, we sort of put things in place to, to improve them and we want to, you know, next review we want to get up like a couple of points. So um, it was good to know that feedback, good at good and not good on that side of it. Um, on, on, the other thing is, we start from that is um, one of my tradesmen, he wants to in the future be an estimator and so um, that was really good information to have back because we didn't know that and so now we've put in place now that he's going to spend some time with the estimator. So we're going to build a bit of bench strength there and, um, and have it so that he can sort of maybe start to slot in there if our estimator's away for a, on annual leave or whatever, away for a few days here and there. And um, with the potential that if our estimator was to one day push on, we'd have someone there sort of maybe, you know, almost ready to take the role on. So that was really that was really good. We had, I had no idea he was interested in that, so that was really good. Um, a couple other guys want to be um, want to be electrical inspectors, so we're getting them into electrical inspectors courses. Um, yeah, so we just learned some really good information on the back of that. Um and we changed how we ran our teams a bit from what yeah, feedback that's interesting. we had. Yeah, I'd like to hear about that. Yeah, so we, we, we had feedback from one of our um, one of our tradesmen that um, you know we've got nine vans on the road and it, it was probably getting a little bit sloppy. Where we had different tradesmen going to finish off jobs, other tradesmen started, and, and it's unavoidable a lot of the time. But one of our tradesmen had the idea that we um, that we operated our, our our team in three teams, and so we had three three vans in a team, and that that th- those three each team A, B, and C. The A guys only work on the A guys' jobs, the B's on the B's and the C's on the C's. So if a tradesman can't make it to one of his jobs because he's on another job, only someone in his team goes back there. And then, um, yeah, so, and we thought that was a great idea. And we thought uh, my operations manager sort of getting to the capacity of how many guys you can manage as well. So we sort of thought we set up three little teams like that and they sort of work inside their teams and they talk to Rob about what's going on. It takes a lot of Rob's plate as well. That's killer. And, and in each one of those teams, in two of those teams, we've got a... Um, there's a sort of a de facto leader in two of the teams, and one of the teams is, is not because two of both the guys are a similar sort of level. So, um, so in those teams with the leaders, that other guys sort of lean on those guys a lot more than Rob now. So it sort of has been a good little change for us, really. Something I, I would never have thought of, but from the yeah, it was yeah, just asking for any feedback how we could do things better. That was one of the things that came up, and um, the guy who brought that up was one of the guys who had one of the lowest lowest sort of scores, and um, talking to him about it already now. We've been running it for a month or so now. We approached it straight away, and he's he's like, oh, no, this is way better already, so we're trying to get him up to a 10, you know. I think that's that's massive, and I, mm. I don't know who said it, but I read it recently that um, um, The Great Game of Business, it was. It was a good book. Um, Jack Stack, I think. If you want to read a good book, it's a good one. Uh, and uh, he was basically saying, hey, I'd hate to have someone in my team who's, you know, worked hard out for years and years and years. Uh, actually, it came about because he had a guy who was operating a drill press, and... Uh, he found out this guy had a multi-million dollar property portfolio. And he's like, holy heck, I never knew that. Like, I, The worst thing for me as an employer is that I have someone in my business who I never used all their ideas and their ability. How, how, how rubbish is that? So that's mm. a, what you've done there is amazing. I think that's mm. something we should all definitely do. 
Mm. Um, so good stuff. It was a pretty simple questionnaire. Didn't try to make it too complicated no. or too hard. Just made it real simple to answer. Yep. Asking them what their one, three and five year goals are in life as well. That was um, interesting. Yep. So, so, some of them had no idea, but they said it's great to actually think yep. about it. So I said, next time we do reviews, you've got to put something on those lines next time. Okay. Um, like we had a few questions here, Brad, um, about the four day work week. So can you, let's maybe just spend a couple of minutes on that. So can you tell us how it works, how you track it? Because um, everyone's like, oh, how's that going to work? Yep, so so we just run a four-day work week. We run it over um, the New Zealand Daylight Savings Hours. So that's from the, I think, the end of September, and this is the last week. So we only, week, run, yeah. only run it through the six months of summer. Um, and the reason we run it over the six months of summer is because um, the guys still do just as so many hours. They still do them in four days instead of five. And they can do that through summer when we've got more daylight hours. They can't do it in wintertime. And so um, basically what we do is we split the team in half, and half have Mondays off and half have Fridays off. That's pretty much how we run it. They, they start an hour early, finish an hour late, and later than normal. So through winter they do 7.30 to 5, and summer they do 6.30 till 6 or 7 till 6.30, depending what what work they're sort of on. They get the fifth day off. So, yeah, so um, we're getting as much productivity out of them. Because the vans are only operating four days a week instead of five, we're cutting down our running costs on the vehicles by 20%. The staff are doing the same amount of hours, but they just they feel like they're having a, a break every week, you know, three-day three day weekend every week. So, yeah, it's, yeah, we've run that now for, I think, three or four years. My, my estimator, he doesn't want to work a four-day week, so he works five days a week because he loves kind of work, so he does five days. We've, this year's the first year we've done it where we split up our office staff as well, and they've, they've been doing four-day weeks as well. So everyone's, everyone loves it. I think it's a good concept, and I think it's probably – Getting more, more popular now the old four day weeks. So and you use that when you're marketing for jobs, don't you? That's, that's our that's our headliner in our ads yep. is work four days, get paid five through summer. Last trades when we employed, he he had a, a few different job offers in Hamilton. He's relocating from another, another another city, and he came on board with us. And we weren't paying the most. He wanted the four day week. Wanted to go surfing in Raglan. So how does it work in the office? Is that are they five obviously estimators five days? Is everyone else in the office five days? Uh, one of the things we got out of, well, happened earlier is, is, is Wendy wanted to pull back to a four-day week permanently. Right. She's getting to to a point where she sort of wants to spend some, you know, weekends doing, doing a bit more stuff. So um, so she she does four days a week all the time now. And our operation manager, he does four days a week through summer. But on the on, on the days that he's off, he's actually sort of just working from home, really, um, because he realises it's pretty hard to have your ops manager off, you know, doing a four-day week. But he likes to work from home and that... That, that day he sort of does a few less hours, but he's still yeah, st- still he's available when needed. Yep. Yeah, okay, more okay. relaxed. How how do the fine st- other staff find going back to the five days after summer? So so sort of the last couple of weeks really the, the darkness has become our enemy. So it gets a bit tough now for them to it's dark till seven in the seven in the morning. Now. It gets a bit tough for them now. So the last few weeks is a bit of a hard slog. So they're, they're ready to go back to five days a week now because they you know, yeah they're, they're ready for it really. So it's pretty easy to change back for them really. And you know winters. For me personally, I'd rather have a three-day uh, three weekend through summer than winter. Winter's not so crucial, so yeah. yeah. And, and, and I mean, probably for us, luckily, is my, my staff is like quite a young, so there's not so many family people with families there. So the younger guys, just they just love it because it makes no difference to them whether they're home at five or six, you know. So we, we have had some of our uh, tradesmen who've got families don't, don't do a four-day week, they prefer to do a five-day week. We've got an apprentice at the moment who plays quite a high level of rugby, and he's got to train every morning, every night for the Chiefs uh, wider squad so he can't do a four day week either so it's not for everyone but it is for a lot most of them enjoy it yeah and so you just we've talked about the team uh, which is cool and we've talked about the contractors as well what job management software do you use we've been using Fergus since 2015 we are currently looking at other options just to see what else is out well we know what else is out there and um, you're yeah, looking at other options at the moment um, yeah, we, yeah 
yeah, it's it's been, it's been good for us, but I yeah, just looking at other options at the moment. So yeah, what are the mindset changes that you've had to go through uh, to make your business more successful? Spending time educating myself, educating myself on business and management, I suppose, people management and whatnot. And I've listened to a lot of podcasts, a lot of um, a lot of well, a lot of podcasts, but a lot of audio books as well. The mindset of spending more time on myself, your life in general, the mindset change in life. Yeah, the, I mean, you have not just made a bunch of changes in your business life. But you've done a lot of stuff personally to you know, increase your health, uh, your well-being, your kind of enjoyment, yep, um, that sort of thing. So you know, maybe could we talk about that a little bit? Like what, yep. what have you done? What have you found that's helped? Because it's kind of all the same package, right? It is. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Um, for me personally, it's taking time out to go. Um, mountain biking is a pretty important thing for me. One of oh, everyone knows Kerry. Kerry got me into mountain biking and we spent a fair bit of time together. And so that's, that's just great, like, Doing that on a you know, Wednesday afternoon, knocking off at you know, 2, 30, 3 o'clock and meeting up at the mountain and going for a ride, spend some time for, for me, that's really good stuff, you know. So um, as the family grows up, you sort of want to spend more time making sure you're not missing out on that whole family thing, you know, like my oldest kids are 13 years old now, so, you know, sort of getting, being with us for 13 years at home and they won't be with at home for another 13 years, no. so um, time flies by and... Um, it was something you can't get back, so you want to make sure you enjoy it as much as you can and spend time with your kids. I suppose treating it like I, I treat some stuff at work about how I actually plan about how I'm going to spend my time with them, and that was that was really important, eh? So, yep, and you've yeah. been off the caffeine and a whole, whole bunch, so you've made other changes to try and get the stress levels down, get the energy up and, and the focus up as well. Yep, yep, so yeah, you gave caffeine away, like I was saying today, about two years ago now. Um, yeah, so it will improve my... My sleep patterns improved a lot when I go at caffeine. I do like coffee, but I didn't like the the, the effects I was having, so gave that up. Um, yeah, and exercise a lot more regularly than I used to. Um, you sort of you know, when you go off the tools and you sit in the office all day, you sort of have to start doing those sort of things. And then spending time with my wife Tori, regularly spend a lot lot more time with Tori now. And um, so you have stuff sort of blocked in, don't you? We we, we sort of have Tony. We sort of Tori's studying full time now. So those we we used to have um, until she started studying full time last year. Before that, we had. Um, I think it was every Wednesday morning. I'd go to work at um, first thing in the morning, come back home by sort of eight thirty, and then we'd hang out till about one, and we'd either go for a walk or we'd go for a, go on a mountain bikes or um, whatever, then go out for for lunch and sort of do that once a week. But um, now she's studying full time, so I'm sort so of missing out on that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about me? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think you've done that's allowed you to prioritise your, you know, working on the business time, your education time? Uh, how have you managed to do that? Because right from the early days, it wasn't easy because it was only you and Jesse. So how, how have you managed to do that on an ongoing basis to keep getting results? Uh, What's the secret sauce there? I suppose you just got to blank time out and, and do it. You've got you to spend time doing it, like use the information you've got. So and, and, and 100%. Um, mm. And some people are, are better able to do that than others and maybe other people feel you know, like they haven't got a choice because they've got clients ringing them and, mm. you know, fires everywhere and things going to hell in a handbasket. So how do you how did you deal with that? Because you were no different than anyone else. It was hard. It of course was it's hard. hard. Nothing hard. nothing is hard. easy that's worthwhile, right? It, it was hard and, and, and for a time there probably didn't make as much progress as I as I could have because I didn't spend enough time on it. Um yeah I suppose just yeah just keep chipping away and, and being accountable I suppose. Um early on it was Tony having been accountable to Tony and um you know you don't get results done. You come and sit with Tony, and he's you know, asks you why, you why you haven't got it done, sort of thing. So being account, being accountable probably as a as a business owner and you know, a sole business owner, no business partner, so as my wife is in the industry with me to be accountable to. So I suppose having someone accountable, and now 
yeah, we've got to border and be accountable and what not to be accountable to now. So being, being accountable is a big thing, I suppose. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, if you're accountable and someone's asking you questions, well, then you're more inclined to prioritise your time to do that rather than, you know, make excuse not to. And But yeah. it's also, I think, in the um, in the moment of when you have those urgent things pop up, there's a decision to make, isn't there? There's there like is. a, well, most of us, I think, feel like we have no choice. We have to go deal with it. But actually, there is a choice. Um, and sometimes you have to say not now to yep. you know, putting the fire out so you can actually do the thing that's actually going to improve the whole thing in the long term. Yep, agree. Yep. I totally agree. And like, um, yeah, don't let other people's disorganisation become your, become your disorganisation. That's, where's the mic? <laughs> Drop that mic. Was that don't let other people's disorganisation become your disorganisation? Yep. That's killer. It's a big motto of mine. Yeah, we, let other people's shit just come in right on us. Mm. Yeah, killer. Love that, man. Okay. As you were growing, did you have the work before you employed, or did you employ knowing that you wanted to grow and then chase the work? We, we created, created the vacuum, so we employed people and then the work you know, turned up. Yep. <laughs> came, came, the work came after. We were obviously pretty busy a lot of the time, um, but especially early on, you employ someone, you're like, oh, where are we going to find that work from? Then they come on board, then two weeks later, you're like, Man, I didn't need another person. So, um, yeah, definitely we created the vacuum and, and then the work came. So, yeah, employed first. I think that's killer because, um, well, I've seen it hundreds, thousands of times, uh, and a lot of you will know this, is um, someone new comes in into the business and all of a sudden they're full. The reason you couldn't see that before is because you're just turning away opportunities all over the show. Mm-hmm. Well, you weren't doing quotes or estimates. You weren't chasing up work. Uh, you were letting clients down. You were taking three weeks to get something done, which if you did it in a week would be better. So there's... Often there's already three quarters of a job there mm. when you hire. When my estimator Simon started, we got in there and he, he was really quick. The trainer was really into it. And um, three weeks in, a month in, he was like chewing through all the quotes and he sort of said to me, Oh, you know, not many quotes to do in front of me. And then I was like, Oh, we'll change that then. And now he's <laughs> just like, Oh, he's deep now. He's always, yeah, yeah. he's deep now all the time. So, and you're, yeah. and you're creating the bench strength with the, uh, the next, yep, guy, next which, guy, yeah, yeah. which is killer. Yep. Okay, um, so we've got a, maybe five or so minutes left, um, so I want to make sure we get the most juice out of this. Are you able to expand on the pricing variation pricing you do for your group builders? So maybe just touch on that a little bit because I think that's 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 good. What I sort of do is I, I chat to my my customers beforehand and I work out with them, decide with them like what sort of margin they want to put on on my costs. So they all put a margin on. So you work out whether it's usually that's sort of 15, 20%, 15, 10, 20%. And so um, work out what that is. And then I do a price list up of all the items I think they might want in, those ho- in the house. Any extras, PowerPoints, light switches, lights, um, smart vents, everything else. I work out a price list for all that. I include the builder's margin. Um, and I also include GST on there. And then I round it up to the nearest $50 or $20 or whatever. $100. And, um, and put a bit more on there. And then some stuff you look at and you're like, oh, that looks a bit cheap. I'll add some more on that one because the customer doesn't know what stuff is generally worth. Um, and with that list, I go to the, um, do the walkthroughs just for pre-wire. Rock around walkthrough with our, our paint. And I, I like doing this. My estimate does a lot of this now as well, but I like the sort of sales part of it. So I still do a lot of this for them, well, with them. And um, you go around and you spray where, where your PowerPoints that are going with the plan. And you walk around with the customer and um, you explain to them you've got, pro- you got the prices, the builder's going to charge them for extras. And so they walk around, they're like, oh, I wouldn't want a PowerPoint here. And you're like, oh, that's this much. Um, light over here is this much. USB PowerPoint upgrade. You do all these extras. And as we're doing it, I'm sort of writing it down. And at the end, we've got a, um, I've got a carbon copy book. I add up all the, all the costs, um, get them to sign up, sign off on all the extras. And then um, on the back of that, it goes back to my estimator. He turns that into a quote. He tells the builder how much... Um, how much to charge the customer makes it easy for them, makes it nice and easy for them. Um, sends them a, a copy of the signed carbon copy um, sheet, and then um, it's already all approved before the builder even sees it. So he's just saying, 
I'm making 20% off this $5,000 extras and I haven't had to do anything about it. Nothing. Nothing. Just gets the money. So, so that's killer. You should do that. Yeah, no, nah, so yeah, that works really well. And, and it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's, just, it's a good, like I say, a good selling point when you try and get those new customers on board as well. And it makes our life easier because we're not going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, backwards yeah. and forwards. And it makes the builder's life easy, which is a mm. great sales point too. Yep. Um, so, yeah, great stuff. Okay. Um, Doug, g'day, Doug. How you going, mate? Uh, when the estimator runs short of jobs, what do you do? Has this ever happened? Uh, a few weeks in, he started getting a bit short on jobs. And then, um, so, so I, I just sort of went and read a few cages and got them, got them busy again. And, um, <clears throat> and on the back of that now, um, we've got a whole lot of, we've got a whole lot of jobs that are not really our target jobs. Like we're a whole lot of, every time the guys go to a house to, to, to do some work, they take a picture of the switchboard, throw it into our Trello. Here's a list of all these customers' names with switchboards that are all, need to be done at some stage and whenever he runs out anything else over there or if he has a bit of time you know he's got like half an hour at the end of the day it's not, no point starting another big job he'll just go and click work out our switchboard so the guys take photos of every job the switchboard and anything else they think um, he also has we've got this list of um, all the builders we've targeted from our targeted marketing over the years and um, and they are constantly in our system getting checked out he, he's got a list from that list there that he's talked to that he just keeps in touch with as well so he's constantly keeping in touch with them um, he's got his own credit card. He's a real extrovert, so he really enjoys dropping in and seeing customers, potential customers as well. So he drops them with. He always takes some donuts. I always take coffees. He always takes donuts. I get coffees and hot chocolates. He takes donuts. So he always drops in the donuts and um, just touching base with them as well. But um, yeah, he hasn't really had any time when he's been had nothing on though since he started. Really. Well, this is this is actually the key learning. And you mentioned before creating the vacuum. And so this is what mm. creating the vacuum is. If you've mm. got an estimator and he's a bit quiet, what does it force you to do? Yeah, marketing, marketing, yeah. And so you make it work. You go and find the work. If you didn't mm. have the estimator, you'd never do the marketing. Yep, exactly. Yeah, you'd never see the need for it. So that's really creating the vacuum. You create a situation where you have to go and make some stuff work, and that's that's the way to grow. Mm. Nice job. Indeed. When you're managing a growing team and keeping everyone productive, what would be your advice on, on how to do that? Like what we tend to do is we're growing. Like when we have a tradesman come on board, um, they, they go through an induction, and Rob Rob does an well Wendy gives them a bit of induction first, and then Rob gives them the full induction, which yep. takes a good chunk of time. Um, running through how we operate our, our job management program and other things throughout the business. Um, before they even start, Wendy sent them out a, um, a pack with all the information they got to fill out. Um, we've created their stuff in Teams and in um, Trello and everything else, so they're ready to roll in the day. Um, and then when a tradesman starts, we put our senior apprentice with the tradesman for the first six weeks so that the, um, the tradesman's learning from our senior apprentice who can pretty much do it all himself anyway. So we don't go and throw them with like a newbie apprentice, we put them with someone senior. Um, and then just, yeah, giving them, giving them the systems, I suppose, and running through the systems. And, and we have guys, like we've had good electricians last year start with us who took a little while to catch up with the system because they're not used to having any systems. So it take, them, take them a little while, and so Rob just sort of leans on them for a while just to keep them at it, keep them at it. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Sometimes they just try and do it the old way, don't they? Yeah, they do. You like, oh, no, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's not, usually it's not their fault, it's just they've no. never had the systems before. And so, um, so yeah, I suppose, yeah, that's... Some of the things we do, but like you say, you can talk a lot on that sort of subject, Tony. On yeah, it's a culture out. question as well, so I think you've got to induct them well. Mm. Actually, people forget how important induction is because the first the first couple of, like the, even before you've they've joined, you've seen them a nice gift basket or something to celebrate them joining and then have it really organised right from the get-go is massive because the way they start is the way they carry on. Yep. And it's the biggest thing you can do for building your culture is to make it great in the, mm. first, the first thing. You want them to come on board and... See your systems and everything up here, the so they know they're going this way. You don't want them yeah. coming in here going, oh. Yeah, you get one chance for that good first impression. It's, mm. it's massive. 
so if you could go back in time and give a piece of advice to yourself before starting Profitable Tradie, what would you what would you say? What would that advice be? Probably goes back to um, growth decision making and probably pull the trigger on a few um, big decisions earlier and, and less procrastination, I suppose. Yeah, less, yeah that'll be it. Procrastinate less. Love that. Mm. So I guess my last question, mate, what are the goals for the future for you? We, we have gone through, last year went through a lot of ex- quite a lot of expansion. Um, and so we're rolling out this financial year is about to end. So the next financial year, I really want to get some good results like on the finance side of it and have really consistency. Um, so really get that a really good rhythm going. That's sort of the thing I want to do this year, which is um which is which is a big thing for the next year. Um, three year plan. I sort of think if I go to the, the uh, there's lots of goals, but if I go to the bigger sort of goals, and three year plan is to um is to move out of a workshop and move into a custom built new building, which we'd love to do something that's built for us yep. how we want it. Um, yeah, like I said, I bought that building last year, but we've already got we're already at capacity there now. So yeah, um, so that's that's probably probably it. And then um. Probably the five to seven, well, the biggest goal probably five to seven years is getting to a position where I can put a GM in place, get into a, a stage in life where I would have been in the business quite a while then and you know, we're pretty keen to get some more of my time back even. So yeah, and expand a bit more. So yeah, those are probably the three, three biggest goals over the next one, three, five years. Yeah, killer. So um, that intrigues me because what would you have said if you and I were talking maybe when we, when we were first kicking around together, uh, what would you have said if you knew the Brad of the future would be talking about a goal of having a GM run his business. I probably would have said, what's a GM? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, I would never have dreamed that big at that stage. Nah. Yeah, that, that's that's killer. And I think that's really important for all of us. There are businesses out there in the trades who have 20, 30, 50 staff. The, the, the owner uh, is not required to be working in the day-to-day of the business. Uh, there's even businesses out there with GMs uh, who have been run. And so you're kind of limited by your imagination and your ability to be inspired as well. I think is is important. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a big thing, right? As you as you grow, you, you realise that there's at this. I think the bigger you get, the the more um, successful businesses, you realise that there's actually more you can do than you mm. ever thought mm. possible. Mm. I, I totally agree. Yeah, uh, which is darn exciting. Mm. Yeah. Um, so cool, man. Okay, well, I'd love to. Th- this has been awesome. Uh, really appreciate you, man. Love your work. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening. Now, if you enjoyed the podcast, there's four ways we can help your business. Number one, grab a free copy of my book called The Profitable Tradie, and it's at profitabletradiebook.com forward slash podcast. Two, join my free Facebook group at profitabletradie.com forward slash group. Three, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just search Profitable Tradie in the YouTube search bar. Or four, book a free 15-minute phone call to find out about our coaching programs at profitabletradie.com forward slash podcast call. Or if you can't remember any of that, just check out the session notes.